through 25 seasons. Hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe the Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. 64-year-old William Gingland was... uh, the kind of dad who was a stickler for good manners and for obeying the law. In fact, his three grown sons fondly remember him saying, if you ever get in trouble with the police, you better hope they get to you before I do. Which makes this headline-making story even more unbelievable. Well, we were raised to believe that family comes first, above all things. It wasn't until they were adults that their father's life would take a dramatic turn. He lost job after job and was on a downward spiral. He would come fairly frequently asking for money, 500 here, 500 there. Never really had a good explanation where that money was going. Then on August 19, 2004, Jared, a Peoria, Illinois police officer, logged onto a website and made a horrific discovery. He stared at newly released surveillance videos of a dangerous bank robber who was armed with a gun and wanted for hitting at least seven banks in nine months. It would only take a split second for Jared to recognize the shirt, the sunglasses and pistol the criminal was carrying. There was no doubt the fugitive in the photos was the last person Jared would ever expect, his own father. Yeah, absolutely devastating. Jared immediately called his two brothers, and they were forced to make the most gut-wrenching decision of their lives. Wow. Jared is here today with his two brothers, Garrett and Clay. What happened, Jared? Well, the way I discovered that our father was basically a serial bank robber, he confessed to seven bank robbers, uh, was just a coincidence. I was reading the paper one day, and I read a news story about some robberies in another part of the state, and... The description just oddly matched my father to a T. The description of the vehicle, the getaway car, was the same vehicle my father drove. And he spends time over in that area. And it's just, I thought, too much of a coincidence. And since they offered a website with pictures, I just declare my own mind. I'd go look and make sure that, you know, that it wasn't him. But it, it was as well, soon as I saw the pictures. Well, would you have ever suspected that your father would be robbing banks? I mean, even if I read a description, I would think... Well, that's sort of like my father, but it wouldn't have yes. hurt. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I never. He he's never been uh, so arrested. So, because what did or, the description yeah. say? What did it say? Well, it it gave a description of about five eight to five ten, two hundred pounds, chunky build, fifty to sixty year old. I mean, that's my father and I are about the same size. It yeah. almost describes me. I'm only younger. Yeah. Um, it, it it just struck me as too many coincidences in a row that he used to work in that area in Eastern Illinois, and. It, you know, just coincidences. So what did you do? You went to the website, you see... Yes. Not yeah. only is the description... That's the shirt. I know the shirt. Yes. I know his glasses. I know... Actually, the, the outfit he wore in, in this 
particular surveillance video was the last outfit I saw him at. You know, he was at a birthday party and he was wearing the same outfit. Wow. Yeah. So you call your brothers immediately? Mm -hmm. I called Garrett first because I didn't want to tell him what, because I wanted him to, to think also, you know, get his opinion. I said, look at this website and tell me what you think. And he immediately hung up on me <laughs> because he, he had to deal with it in his own way. Yeah. What did the police find, Garrett, when they searched your dad's home? Well, um, besides the clothes that, uh, that appeared in the surveillance uh, photos, they also found a, a detailed journal um, that it, it detailed out another, and actually another life um, with another residence um, that we had no idea about. And, and, and apparently some, uh, uh, also some details about addictions that he was dealing with that we also had no idea about at all. So this is a very shocking detailed journal that listed everything that he'd been doing for years. Uh -huh. um, so... Like including drugs? I, I, I understand that there was the mention of drugs in that. What journal. kind of drugs? Do you know? Uh, in his journals, he talked about crack cocaine and things like that. And so did you see your father regularly? This must be devastating to find out about your own father, but did you see him regularly? You're in communication. You still had a good relationship. He was one of us, basically. We thought. Mm -hmm. We were close to him. I didn't see him as much as Claire Garrett because they lived in the same town he did. Mm -hmm. I live in Peoria, which is about 50 miles away. So I'd see him once or twice a month, but we were close. When had you last seen him before this discovery, Garrett? Um, the, last, the last time I saw him was two weeks prior mm -hmm. to that. He had called me over to, to talk to me. And it's devastating in so many ways. Oh, absolutely. Not only is your father a criminal, a bank robber, but this other apparently secret life. Secret life as a bank robber, secret life with other affairs, secret life with drugs. When do you think this started to happen? I mean, as you look back now and say, well, you know, I suspect that. That's a really tough question to answer. You know, you, yeah. you ask that, but uh, since he was our dad and since we had a lot of respect for him, we believed him yeah. when he lied to us. Yeah. He did a good and job. And so, I, you know, how can you say, well, I wish I didn't trust him back then. I could have maybe stopped this. You can't say that. Tell me this. How did you all have then a group, you know, brothers meeting to when, decide when we whether... discovered that this was going on, um, we went to Lewistown where my father has a house with, with our mother. Um, we met with Clay, who was a school teacher in Lewistown. And your mother and father were still together? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, we decided to go to my father's house and confront him. We were going to say, look, we know what you're doing. We want it to stop, and you got to turn yourself in. He wasn't home. So we did the next best thing that we could think of to put a stop to this action, and we called the police. You called the police. The local police. Did you agree together that we... Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And was there any dissenting member? Uh, no? Potentially. I mean, we're talking about a violent crime with yeah. a weapon. With a weapon. And there's just no way that yeah. we all agreed instantly that that had to stop. How many robberies were there? He pled guilty to seven. We don't know if there are more than that, um, but that's what he, he pled to. Mm -hmm. And he was recently sentenced to 40 years in prison. Um, yeah. Do you see him? I saw him at his sentencing hearing. I haven't spoke to him for over a year, though. Really? Me neither. I've spoken to him on the phone a few times, um, briefly. Uh, I kind of consider this you know, a dual personality thing, and I kind of have hopes that my dad that raised me is a totally different person than the person that we discovered and uh, 
a dual yeah. personality and Absolutely. like a complete psychological, mm -hmm. clinical dual personality or just emotional? Well, so. you know, you can't diagnose from what, what we've seen, but yeah. you know, it, it, how would he explain it otherwise? Yeah, I right. mean, but okay, so then I guess this is the next question. Have you said, Dad, why? I haven't talked to him since he was arrested, and this was in August of 04. Uh -huh. And I haven't spoken to him since. I would have too many questions that I know I wouldn't get a truthful answer. Mm -hmm. uh, he would probably have to lie to me, and I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I want the and, truth. And Garrett, I can see that, you know, I mean, obviously all of you are ups upset about it, and you are still very much emotionally impacted by it. Does it make you feel like it's a betrayal in a... In a I mean, it's an, an enormous it's a betrayal, betrayal on many levels. Yeah. Hard to imagine. Many levels. Mm -hmm. it, 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 makes you, it makes you have to go back to, to the life that you thought you knew yeah. and rethink everything about that mm -hmm. because yeah. you don't know yeah. what was true and what was false. Yeah. Are you proud of yourselves for what you did? Or no, we did what we, proud? what we felt we had to do. I don't, I don't believe we had a choice. Mm -hmm. um, Are you conflicted by it? Not by the choice, no. No. Absolutely not really wasn't a choice. There wasn't a choice. Do you turn him in or do you don't turn him in? And what, you know, not a choice. Just what we had to do. Mm -hmm. what, what's the ironic thing is that's what we learned to do growing up. Through, Through him. Right. Yes. Exactly. That's what he taught you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very clearly. He helped us in learning how to make quick decisions. Mm -hmm. And he made it really clear that you tell the truth. Wow. And that's all we did. Yeah, we wow. were raised, you know, I'm, I'm a police officer. Both my brothers are volunteer firefighters. We serve our communities. We were all in the military. He, he raised us to be that way. Absolutely. It still hurts, though. Yes. No, yes. It still hurts. And do you think you will, you know, go to see him, that he'll ever be a part of your life again? You say no? I, no. I, you say I'm, no. I just have to look at it this way. I'm, I'm done. You're I, done. I don't have a father. There's a man in prison. Not my father. It's, mm -hmm. it's a different person. Wow. What do you say? I, um, I'm, I carry an anger with me that I hope will go away. So I hope someday that I can feel like I can go see him. Yeah. But uh, I can't right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it, doesn't, it just doesn't go away, Garrett. Mm. I've done a lot of Oprah shows. It just doesn't gonna go away. You have to work on letting it go away. And maybe confronting him might be a good way to, to help that. That might be. Yeah, but you need to do it so that you don't carry this anger around and it comes out in other ways, you know? Well, another part of healing is trying to promote the positive aspects of this whole situation. Yeah. And the fact is, he's alive and no one got hurt. Yes. Right. What has this done to your mother? To find out that, that my, my father's a bank robber uh, and to turn him in for that, I mean, that was a stupid mistake that he made. But then to find out after that that he had this double life going on was... That was what angered me so much that he could do that to my mother. Because, because he raised me to, know, to take care of, of mom. Yeah. Nobody messes with mom. Yeah, and he'd That's, had an affair. Exactly. Yeah. So being raised that way, it's, it's like if somebody walked up on the street and punched my mom in the mouth, what am I going to do? I'm going to be on that person until 10 people are pulling me off and then trying to get back on. And then all of a sudden, this, figuratively speaking, is him punching her in the mouth. Yeah. And so but, I, yeah. that's why I carry the anger. How, how is your mother? I mean, I don't My even mom know. My mom is she's doing, well. She's doing, she's doing well. Doing great. Doing well. uh, really? So the man right. you thought was your hero all this time has been 
you know, double playing your mom, having this double life. For years. Right. For, ye for years. So for years. After we turned him in, we found that out, and so it just gets worse. But we did not turn him in out of anger. No. Yeah. We did it. That was just for a stupid mistake. Right. For, we did that just because it was a decision that had to be done instantly, yeah. or it could have gotten worse. Yeah, to protect himself right. and other people. Exactly. Mm -hmm. we, we had learned later that he did lead uh, a police officer in a high-speed pursuit. Really? And they lost him. Yeah. And Your dad. in my job, that's one of the most dangerous things we do is yes. driving fast. And, yeah. yeah. And then when you heard that, did you think, my dad? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know what, what, what reminds me of, because you were talking about military, you all are a few good men. Because of a few good men, your father is behind that. <laughs> News watchers were riveted. The terrifying robbery that recently made headlines was all caught on surveillance cameras. Store clerk Angie Hershey had just arrived at her family's check cashing store when a robber burst in, jumped over the counter, and began to attack her. He tried to tie her up and cover her mouth with masking tape, but Angie fought back. As he was robbing the store, the phone rang. The robber tried to yank the cord out of the wall, but instead he merely knocked the phone off the hook. Angie's husband, Cy, was on the other end of the phone, listening helplessly to what was happening. He hung up and placed this call to 911. 911. You know, this, this, if someone was attacking me, you'd be wearing black or... And then when the gun was in my face is when I realized, nope, this is not a joke. And when he pulled the phone out or tried to pull the phone out of the wall because you were calling yeah, at that moment. Ringing, exactly. And that, it's just something I always do whenever she does work there. She doesn't work there often. We were trying to give the employees a day off on that day, and so she went in and I called just right, you know, three minutes after she got there to see if everything was okay for that exact thing, and unfortunately it wasn't, and something horrible was happening. It was probably the, well, it was the worst experience of my life to hear that and to hear how scared she was, because when you've been married what seven years. What did you years, hear? What I, did you hear? I just hear her saying, you know, I won't move, I won't move, please don't hurt me, take whatever you want. Um, and you can just hear in her voice that it was, she was so terrified and so scared that and it just made my heart drop, and so I immediately called 911, and then actually asked my six-year-old to watch my one-year-old <laughs> and took off and called my mo mother-in-law and had her, her get there. And, it and how just... soon was, was, uh, were you rescued? Um, not, not for a while, and not until he was gone. Um, after he attacked me and got the money, I thought, okay, he's, I'm going to give him anything he wants. I gave him the money. He, I then, you know, he said, I want more, and we had no more. So then I said, you can have my diamond ring. You can have my car. You can have my purse. It's right there. Take it. Just take it and go. And, um, and he grabbed me and asked where the bathroom was. And that's when the red flag went up. And I remembered from watching Oprah a long time ago, um, don't ever let your attacker take you to that second location. And so I knew, since he dominated me so physically, that I either had to get him mentally or emotionally. 
And that's because my, how big was he? He was six six, double my weight and size. He mm -hmm. was huge. Yeah. And I know there's no way, like elbow's not going to hurt him. Nothing's going to hurt him. Yeah. But I knew that um, if I started pleading to his emotions, maybe you know he'll see me as a person. And I started to say, I, I have two little kids. Please don't hurt me. I'm their mom. And I knew he had a mom, and maybe you know that would hit something. And he still started to take me to the bathroom. And I knew if he was going to take me to the bathroom, Oprah, I was going to fight, and he would have had to do it with me unconscious. But when he opened the door to the hall, it hit me. I could tell him there were people down there, because there are offices. On Saturday, there's never anyone there. But I said, if you take me down this hall, someone's going to see us. You're going to get caught. You can't take me down there. Stuck his head down the hall, closed the door, locked it. And that was my first little signal that, hey, maybe I can be OK. And he drug me over to the corner, um, started to try and tie me up, my eye, cover my eyes, tie my arms up. And I started to try to appeal to him, saying, hey, you're going to get caught. You've got to get going. You've got to run. You've got to go. You're going to get caught. You can't hurt me. Please, I'm a mom. And I, and I would squirm, and I would get away a little bit. And I'd squirm again, and I'd get away a little bit. And so I thought, well, I'll keep squirming. You could tell in the whole, whole video, he's trying to stay behind her. And because uh -huh. he doesn't want to, I think that's why he jumped over initially. Because, I mean, that's what infuriates me, is why the heck didn't he just ask for the money? We would have given him the money. Yeah. And, I mean, he didn't have to be so physical on me. I mean, he hit her head so hard. And, and, but that's because I think, you know, she recognized him. That's how we caught him so fast. But he's trying to stay behind her. You did recognize him. I did. I, I kept going, I know you. Think, I didn't want to tell him that, of course. But I kept thinking, I know this guy. I know him. How could he know, not know that I could recognize him? I mean, he's six foot six. You don't forget a six foot six guy very often. Yeah. How did you know him? He was in our store three days earlier to get a loan, visited with me for about 20 minutes, and I remember looking at him going, gee, he's a, a gentle giant. You know, he was really nice. And um, I was not scared by him at all. Did you ever think he was going to kill you? I did, I did. Yeah. And that's why I thank you, I really do. I thought, if he takes me to this bathroom, I'm not coming out of that cold, dark bathroom. I'm not coming out. And I'm going to stay. And, and it's one of those pinnacle moments when you think, this is it. Everything I know, I have to use to yeah, stay alive. Yeah, have that tape. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. Never. If everyone in this room and everyone watching this program has never drawn the line and made a decision on crime protection, you better make it when they decide to move you from crime scene number one to crime scene number two. Because the crime scene number two is going to be isolated. You won't choose it. You'll be this, this, the focus of the crime. That was Sanford Strong. And that was one of the things I never, ever, ever forgot. And I'm glad you didn't either. We're so proud to have her. It's just amazing. It's, it's so scary to know as a husband that there's nothing I could do. And I'm just so proud of how she acted and, and just did everything she could to, to make sure she still could be my wife and our great mother to our kids. And we're so thankful. Oprah. Suzanne Gonzalez's parents hope that by sharing their unimaginable heartbreak that someone out there can stop another tragedy in time. You're recording. Hey, yeah. 19-year-old Suzanne Gonzalez seemed to have everything to live for. She had incredible potential. Incredible. She was a gifted young woman. She was a person who was not afraid to march to her own beat. And she was just a joy and a, a light that was so special. Suzanne was awarded a full scholarship to Florida State University, 3,000 miles from her California home. We talked to her three or four times a week. She loved Tallahassee. 
She loved going to school. Suzanne and her sister Jennifer shared a special bond. When things got tough, she could she called me or I'd call her. We were best friends. We did everything together. That all changed on the morning of March 23rd. First came a frantic call that Suzanne was missing. Next came confirmation of Suzanne's death from the Tallahassee police. And then this email. Mom, Dad, and Jennifer, if you haven't heard by now, I have passed away. I know I should have told you, but I've been depressed and suicidal for a long, long time. It's all right to be sad and it's all right to cry. These types of things tend to happen and it really isn't that big of a deal. Death is just another part of life. It was so short, short and it seemed very impersonal to be what my sister left me. But it was all too real. Suzanne had methodically planned and executed her own suicide. First, she carefully orchestrated the transmission of her suicide note via email so that by the time her family read it, there was no saving her. Next, she cleaned her apartment, fed her kittens, and checked into a local hotel. There, she ingested a lethal dose of cyanide, laid down on the bed, and died alone. I thought we were so close, and the fact that I was totally clueless that she was depressed, I thought I knew her so well. The Gonzalez's family search for answers led them to a horrifying discovery. Suzanne had been leading a secret life online, visiting a website that they had never heard of, and probably you haven't either. It's one that describes itself as pro-choice towards suicide. And there the family found nearly 100 online postings from Suzanne, written prior to her death. This is Suzanne's first post to the website. I'm bored, I'm bored with life. I cannot possibly think of anything I want to do that is worth doing. Suicide is the third leading cause of death for teenagers. What you may not know is that advice on how to do it is easy to find. I was shocked that there was something like that website out there. In fact, the internet is home to several websites that provide suicide methods and advice. Suzanne's numerous postings on one website's message board give a window into her secret thoughts just weeks before she died. I chose potassium cyanide because it seems relatively painless and quick acting. To that, one member replied, I hope your method works for you, Susie. I think the website definitely, you know, validated her choice and encouraged it. I don't think she was wise to the ways that there were bad people out there pretending to be good people. So Suzanne's fatal countdown continued. I would be gone by now, but I do not want to do it on my sister's birthday. Two weeks. One week. She may have had suicidal ideas, but the website built on those initial ideas until it became ingrained in her mind that that's what she needed to do. One of her website companions even helped proofread her suicide note. But to my parents, I don't know what to write. It will be particularly tough on my father as he lost his father less than a week ago. Hell, it'll be tough on everyone, and I feel really bad for that. 
And before Suzanne left for the hotel to poison herself, she sent one final post to her online friends. Bye, everyone. See you on the other side. Susie. Suzanne had been visiting a news group that talked about suicide. I'm just your average Joan who has everything to lose and is willing to lose it for absolutely no reason. Suzanne found a way to get a hold of cyanide and poisoned herself with it. I wonder if she was scared. <laughs> but mostly I just think about her being alone. <laughs> Dying alone. 4,000 teenagers commit suicide in our country each year. Sadly, Suzanne Gonzalez's family is left with more than the overwhelming grief of losing her. They must now grapple with Suzanne's secret affiliation with a pro-choice suicide internet group, one of several that exist on the web. I'm sure that you, Mike and Mary and Jennifer, you all weren't aware of such a thing, right? You had no idea. No. no idea. Of such a site. But did you know, were there signs now that you look back that Suzanne was depressed? The, the last time I saw her was a week before my cousin's wedding, and she looked pale and looked like she may have been stressed out, but she's a college student. I'm a college student. Yeah. It's stressful. It's stressful. <laughs> Do you all talk often because you on the tape were saying mm -hmm. you were so close to her? Yeah. We yeah. Just, Talked on the phone at least once a week. And what did she more. tell you was going on in her life? School was going good. She was really into her classes. She had recently decided to change her major from film to meteorology. She was always a top student, Mary. So do you believe always. this carried over into her behavior on the website? How so? Yes, I do believe Suzanne um, got involved in this website and she wanted to be the top student of this website. Mm -hmm. Meaning? First in her class. First in the class. Mm -hmm. Mike, you believe Suzanne's death could have been prevented? It could have been prevented very easy. All it would have taken is a simple email, a phone call, an anonymous email through the internet alerting us, police, anybody of authority that could have stopped what was going on. Mm -hmm. Who is running this site? That I don't know. Do you blame the site for your daughter's death? I blame the site for my daughter's death. They preach that if you're suffering depression and you're in pain, that you're gonna be in pain and suffer for the rest of your life. So why prolong it? Do you remember your last conversation with her? Yes. Yeah, and what was it? How was she? She was doing great. She um, called me at my office and said, Mom, I just wanted to say hi, see how you were doing today, and, and uh, tell you I love you. And that was how long before she killed herself? That day. That day. She called the you that day? The next day. day. Mm. Wow. And was that the last time you spoke to her? Was the week before you saw her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. In the tape, you said, what is the word you used, cold or? Impersonal. Impersonal. Yeah. Her note, yeah, that was the last words that she left us with. And to learn that somebody had edited that and helped her to write that just makes me sick. 
No, she has that right. And so you're here today because you want other people to know what? We want people to know, other parents to know that these websites exist on the internet and they're so easily accessible by anybody from uh, a six-year-old to an elderly person. And we want to expose the danger that they uh, possess concerning um, vulnerable people. There are predators out there who are just lurking. Of all kinds, yeah. Who are just lurking, looking for young, vulnerable people to fulfill their, sounds terrible, fantasies. Wow. Well, you know, my lawyers want me to say this, the lawyers for the show, uh, and so I will bring up this point that it is a pro-choice website and your daughter chose to go there. She wasn't, you know, forced to go there, or I don't know if she was lured there or how she, she even found out about it, but that is a choice that she made. What do you say to that? They say they're pro-choice. It's better to say they're pro-suicide. Yeah, and I hear you're working with your congressman now to make people on the uh, internet accountable for their actions. Right. And don't we all wish, mm -hmm. yeah. We're working with our uh, congressional representatives and, and state. See if we can review state uh, assisted suicide laws, which are outdated. Yeah. Well, thank you for using your daughter's unfortunate death and her life to try to make a difference in the lives of other people. Thank you. Since we launched our Child Predator Watch, our viewers have stepped in to help capture three of America's most wanted child predator fugitives. One of them, accused child rapist Niall Scott, was identified in another country just 48 hours after our broadcast. Now we have some more breaking news. The trial is over. He went to trial. The jury has spoken, and in just moments, we'll bring you the verdict in the case against Niall Scott. But first, our exclusive interview with his wife, Sheila. For the first time, she is speaking out. I met him when I was 15 years old, and we've been together for about 30 years. When Sheila Scott heard about her 13-year-old niece's accusations against her husband, she was devastated. I had died right then and there, and then I felt for her because she was a child. <laughs> and no child has or should experience anything like that. Sheila says she called the police and Niall Scott was arrested and charged with four counts of rape and four counts of kidnapping. Then she broke the shocking news to her sons. Telling my sons was the most difficult thing a parent would ever have to do. They grew up protecting this little girl and for them to find out something like that, oh my God, a devastation. He was dad. How can dads don't do things like that? Without Sheila's knowledge, Scott put the family's house up as bond and was released on bail. When Scott failed to show up for his trial, Sheila says her family suffered another blow. When he fled, we lost our home. I lost my retirement. I lost my lifestyle. The kids lost their dad. Just doing day-to-day -day basic simple things has been a struggle for us, for my whole family. It's been hell. Feels like a nightmare. Doesn't feel like my life. I mean, this was my husband. This isn't just some stranger. 
For two years, Sheila says, she and her family did not hear a word from Scott. They didn't even know if he was dead or alive. I haven't slept well in years. I just, I constantly look over my shoulders. She was afraid, we were all afraid that he may come after her. Then last October, Sheila got this news. Oprah Show viewers had reported seeing her husband, Niall Scott, in the tiny nation of Belize. Her husband was alive and in police custody. I was at work and I couldn't scream to the top of my lungs, but I was, I was very relieved. Oh God. For more than two years, the FBI had been searching for Niall Scott until a lead from two very observant Oprah Show viewers helped them make the capture, the FBI. Here's how that went down. The people of Belize City had no idea that one of America's most wanted fugitives, Niall Scott, was literally taking people for a ride, making his living as a cab driver. He was running a cab and he was hustling tourists. Less than 48 hours after our broadcast, Scott was captured at this boarding house in this room. This former naval reservist was bold enough to live just down the street from the U.S. Embassy, where American agents hunting fugitives are based. Scott was extradited back to Ohio to face his alleged crimes against a child. Our cameras were there when Niall Scott, shackled and handcuffed, was returned to American soil. Why were you hiding in Belize? I was not hiding. Fair trials hard to get sometimes, especially in Ohio. Niall Scott went back to Ohio to face charges. The FBI says he'd been dodging for more than two years. We considered uh, Mr. Scott a dangerous fugitive. He was wanted for rape and kidnapping and for unlawful flight to avoid prosecution. So days ago, the Niall Scott trial came to an end. Prosecutors say a taped phone conversation between the alleged victim and Scott helped prove the charges against him were true. The defense implied the young girl was a liar and that there was no physical evidence to convict him. After four hours of deliberation, the jury reached a verdict. State of Ohio versus Niall Scott. Count one, rape. We, the jury, find the defendant, Niall Scott, guilty of rape. Count two. We, the jury, find the defendant, Niall Scott, guilty of rape. Count three, rape. Guilty. Count four, rape. Guilty. Count five, kidnapping. Verdict. We, the jury, find the defendant, Niall Scott, guilty. Count six, kidnapping. Guilty. Count seven, guilty. Count eight, guilty. Innocent, man. Sentencing for Niall Scott is set. He could face a life sentence for each rape count without the possibility of parole. Thank you, viewers. Thanks, everybody. Bye. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening.